Good evening, brief Dr. Zeus film podcast. It's always interesting what we find online. And what I found was this photograph of, I believe it is, okay. This is Columbia's Pictures presents a special preview. Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, and Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And then it says in red, never had the day Kennedy was shot. So on November 22nd, 1963 at 8.30 p.m. was supposed to be the premiere, a special premiere, a preview of Dr. Strangelove, and it was later pushed back to January 1964. Dr. Strangelove is such a... magical film. And... It was a political satire. You know, they changed a lot in that film. Also including where Slim Slim Picking says what happened in Dallas. And so they had to dub it, I think, to something else. Oh my god, this this movie. Things would have been different had it been released in 1963. Really? Very different. Nuclear reactors could... I'm sorry, Mr. President. Nuclear reactors could provide power almost indefinitely. Greenhouses could maintain plant life. Animals could be bred and slaughtered. A quick survey would have to be made of all the available mine sites in the country. But I would guess that uh, dwelling space for several hundred thousand of our people could easily be provided. Well, I'm, I would hate to have to decide who stays up and who goes down? Well, that would not be necessary, Mr. President. Could easily be accomplished with a computer. And the computer could be set and programmed to accept factors from youth, health, sexual fertility, intelligence, and the cross-section of necessary skills. Of course, it would be absolutely vital that our top government and military men be included to foster and impart the required principles of leadership and tradition. And he does the salute. And that's Dr. Strangelove himself, played by the effervescent. Peter Sellers. Yeah. Peter Sellers was nominated for an Academy Award for um, Best Actor for playing three roles. Dr. Strangelove, Captain Mandrake, and the President. Yeah. So I can kind of see why it was pushed back. Now we say pushed back, but back then in the 60s, it was preempted it was preempted so and we'll talk more about Dr. Strangelove Dr. Strangelove is just one of those 
classic films. I have such an amazing history with Dr. Strangelove. It's one of Kubrick's best. Kubrick has like a top echelon list of these magical films. And Dr. Strangelove is one of them. But isn't that interesting that all of these things that were supposed to happen didn't happen because of the assassination, including Doctor Who. Doctor Who was supposed to premiere either the day of or the day after in 1963. And it was later, I think, Saturday. That's when it started playing on Saturdays for the BBC. So it's all connected. And music as well. I mean, you look at the Beatles. When the Beatles came to the newly named Kennedy Airport in 1964. Yeah. 1964, when when the British came back <laughs> to the U.S. Yeah. But Dr. Strangelove is, is a magical moment. And... I will forever love that film. I am very under the weather. I have the booster. And I feel like one of those puppies that just got overly uh, played. Um, the film was made in the United Kingdom. The film was loosely based on Peter George's thriller novel, Red Alert, from 1958. Mm. Peter Sellers' multiple roles. Columbia Pictures agreed to finance a film with Peter Sellers played at least four major roles. Yep. Isn't that wild? And usually around this time, I watch a lot of Stanley Kubrick, especially The Shining. Mm. Okay, see, I didn't know this. This is this is interesting. We're going to note this. There was a, an original ending. It was originally planned for the film to end with a scene that depicted everyone in the war room involved in a pie fight. Accounts vary as to why the pie fight was cut. In the 1969 interview, Stanley Kubrick said, I decided it was farce and not consistent with the satiric tone of the rest of the film. Niall Southern, son of screenwriter Terry Southern, suggested that the fight was intended to be less jovial, since they were laughing. It was unusable, because instead of having that totally black, which would have been amazing like this blizzard in the sense of a metaphor for all of the missiles are coming, as well as you have these guys having a good old time. So as Kubrick later said, it was a disaster of Homeric, Homeric proportions. Here we go. The first test screening of the film was scheduled for November 22nd, 1963, the day of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. The film was just weeks from its scheduled premiere, but because of the assassination, the film was delayed until late January 1964, and it was felt that the public was in a no mood for such a film any sooner. During post-production, one line by Slim Pickens, a fellow could have pretty good weekend in Dallas with all that stuff was dubbed to change Dallas to Vegas since Dallas was where Kennedy was killed. The original reference to Dallas survives in the English audio of the French subtitled version of the film. The assassination also serves as another possible reason that the pre-pie fight scene was cut. In 
In the scene, after Muffley, President Muffley, takes a pie in the face, General Turksting exclaims, Gentlemen, our gallant young president has been struck down in his prime. Editor Anthony Harvey started, started, stated that the scene would have stayed except that Columbia Pictures was horrified. And it thought it would defend the president's family. Kubrick and others have said that the scene had already been cut before the preview night because it was inconsistent with the rest of the film. Yeah, it satirized the Cold War. It's a legendary film. Magical. And... Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. That's why, you know, when I do this podcast, it's always good to just kind of reach in and pull out things that you wouldn't know. And I remember I was in college and we were assigned films to talk about. And I got, I guess he's coming to dinner that I've seen so many times. And another, this girl in class, she was assigned Dr. Strangelove and I was so envious of her and I laughed throughout her presentation because I thought it was hilarious and then maybe a year later it came on and I had never really watched it before and my grandfather was watching with me and he was just howling he was probably in his 70s at the time and he was like hey in the Patton because he had watched Patton with George C. Scott you know, because that was his era. And I asked him one time, I said, can you, were you able to watch Dr. Strange Love and laugh because, you know, you all lived through the Cold War? And he says, oh, yeah. He says, we didn't know what was going to happen. And um, I, a couple of years into that, I remember he wasn't well. And so I had, I had a special DVD copy of Dr. Strange Love and I gave it to him. Um, I mean, now I have the Criterion Collection. Shout out to Jason Almy if shit happens when you party naked and Creatures of the Night. <coughs> and I would be remiss if I don't mention Mr. Adam Simmons of Creatures of the Night. Because is it... Well, over there where you're at, it's already midnight. But here in California... As Jim Morrison said, the West is the best. November 23rd. I don't know what year you were born. I'm assuming 1981, 1980 is his birthday. He's a Sagittarius. What can I say about Sagittarius? Is <laughs> Even Jim Morrison himself was a Sagittarius. He says, I am the most philosophical of all the signs, but I don't believe it. I think it's a bunch of bullshit myself. That's what he said, but it's like, okay. But under that tone, it's like, all right, Jim, you think it's a bunch of bullshit, but I, I know otherwise. Because he was philosophical. If you listen to The Doors, come on, Jim Morrison, not philosophical. Ray Manzarek, not philosophical. John Densmore, not philosophical. Robbie Krieger, not philosophical. Here's the thing, I love The Beatles, but I've often told people I love the Doors even more. The fact that I know all of their names and, and their contributions to the Doors. The Doors is not not music for the faint of heart. If you're gonna listen to it, think oh that sounds so pretty. 
And then you listen to the lyrics and it's like, oh, oh shit. Take us to the bright midnight where realms of, yeah, yeah. That's not our, Ray Manzarek, who was just so great. He said, I remember he was, he was quoting the end. And he said, lost in a Roman wilderness of pain. And all the children are insane, waiting for the summer rain. And Rayman Zarek says, what a way to describe the love generation. Because they were not part of that hippie flower power. They just were not part of it. So. <sighs> it was a magical time. It was a magical time. The doors were a part of their time. And. Yeah. Just magic. Magic, magic, magic. And. They fit right in there to this, you you know. Yes, I know. Some of my listeners are like, you weren't around in the 60s. No, I wasn't. (laughs) I probably wasn't even a thought. No. So. But the magic of uh, the doors, Dr. Strangelove, it's all interconnected. And so before we go, because this is a film podcast... I want to say to Adam Simmons, you will let me know when those lambs stop screaming now, won't you? All the way back to the pizza pie. Unpleasant dreams. <laughs>